It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And it is uh, a Wednesday. I'm recording on Wednesday, the 19th. And that's for a variety of different reasons. One is I have a little bit of time to record because my kids have an after school activity. And two, um, I've been feeling pretty crappy for the last three weeks. And I'm on medication that makes me feel even worse. I have like four more days of this medication. And then when I get off of it, hopefully I feel better. But as with the case in, you know, some situations when you take medicine, it makes you feel as bad, if not worse, than you did when you were sick. So I can't tell if I'm still sick or if this medication, oh, hello, alarm. I can't tell if I'm still sick or this medication I'm taking just makes me feel miserable. But in any case, um, I feel pretty okay today, so I wanted to at least get the news section recorded. And I want to say if you have emailed me or contacted me on Twitter, or I owe you an email and I haven't sent it to you yet or replied back to you, it's not because I'm being a, a jerk. Is a it's most of my day is spent like in this light film of sweat, feeling nauseous and you know kind of dizzy. <laughs> not really wanting to do anything, and mostly sleeping. So um, as soon as I feel better, I promise I'll I'll catch up with everybody. So I know that there are emails that I need to send. I, I, I know that there are tweets I need to reply to and all that stuff. It's just right now putting too much brain power into something is exhausting. So anyway, this week we have a Kirsch rant. So Jessica Kirsch is here to uh, hang out, and we're going to talk about boondocking which is kind of living off-grid in an RV because she's on her way to doing that next month. And then the next section is we're going to just do the regular news segment like we always do. And finally, there's a Ford announcement. Now, at first, I wasn't sure if I was going to cover the Ford announcement because I was like, well, maybe it won't be that interesting. But ultimately... I think it's important to cover. So I'm going to cover the Ford announcement, but here's the thing, because I'm going to be busy and I'm going to be in my car a lot on Thursday and Friday. I don't know if I'll be able to do this on like my regular mic. It just might be recorded off my laptop while I'm waiting for things to get done. So just so everybody's, you know, aware, it might sound a little weird. And in addition 
um, because this is a little bit of a different show, I'm going to try and put chapters in. Um, I have Auphonic, which I believe you can use to make chapters. So I'm going to try and put some chapters in. So that way you can go to the section. You can go to the Curse Rant. You can go to the news section or the Ford announcement. However you want to listen to the show gives you a little bit more freedom because it will be a little bit of a longer show, which I know um, typically I shoot for 20 to 30 minutes. I know lately I have been going way over that. So that's why I'm adding chapters to this episode so that you can pick and choose the parts you would like to listen to. All right, without further blathering on my part, let's get right to our discussion with Jessica Kirsch in Kirsch Rant, which I think is number four. And if it wasn't, it is now. So cue the music. Sit down, put your hands in your lap, and open your ears. It's time for a Kirsch Rant. Jessica Kirsch, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bodie, for having me back. We're here to talk about a couple of different things that I think relate to the audience, and one of those is Starship. So let's jump into the SN15 launch. Do you want to break that down for us? Because some pretty exciting things happened. Absolutely. So, uh, okay, so let's talk about Starship SN15 and how it successfully launched, went through the clouds, did a belly flop maneuver, couldn't see it, uh, it through the clouds. Also, my stream went down, so there's part of that too. Um, once it came back down through the clouds and uh, it, it cleared, then we were able to see the reorientation, the, the two Raptor engine reignites and the propulsive landing softly onto the edge of the launch, or sorry, the landing pad. And it, with legs all deployed, everything was a success. When it landed, it was on fire. The bottom, the back, some something was on fire. <laughs> and Bodhi, thank you so much. As you were explaining to me in the chat as I'm live going, put the fire out, put the fire out, put the fire out. It's going to explode. Put the fire out. Can you just explain what you are or what they might have been doing there? Yeah, so I th I think what they're what was coming off of that was methane, right? Is that what they use for propellant? Yeah, it's so a methane or and, a fuel. and liquid oxygen mix. It's called okay. LOX. So what in in firefighting, like if we go on a natural gas leak or we go on a let's say a propane leak, we if the let's say it's it's natural gas because that's probably more related to methane because it is like uh, lighter than air mm -hmm. the natural gas leak we're just going to let that go into the atmosphere like it's lighter than air it's going to go up but if it's on fire all of that fuel is being consumed by the fire and it's not going to go anywhere so what i think was happening there is there was either a planned fire for that that methane to just kind of burn it all off because they didn't mm -hmm. want it going out and being taken somewhere else and possibly causing it another fire mm. or they were just like, it was already on fire and they were just going to let it, they were just going to cool starship, but they were going to let the methane burn off safely. Cause that's actually a, a, if you look at when you go down to Texas, mm -hmm. a lot of refineries will burn off a bunch of excess um, materials while they're refining and th refining and things like that. So that's not an uncommon 
practice. And I don't know how it works in spaceships, but I think in general, I think that the, the, that's what they were doing with the Starship 15. Okay. So what you're saying, so I can understand in layman's terms, uh, is that the water cannons that they were spraying at the fire and surrounding the, the, the base of the, of the ground, basically, they were just kind of preparing so it wouldn't, so as it burned off that it wouldn't spread or just kind of. Right. So what, what we don't want to happen is we don't want that gas. Let's say it's propane. Propane's heavier than air. So okay. propane will follow like water. Propane will follow the ground and then it will pool in certain areas. Oh, and wow. if that okay. finds an ignition source, this is why when certain things happen, uh, leaks in like neighborhoods and stuff like that, depending on what it is, they will evacuate an area depending on how big the fire is or how big the leak is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's leaking. So if it's propane, the evacuation is, and it's a big propane tank, the evacuation is going to be much larger than if it was natural gas because the propane pools. And like in my neighborhood, we have a lot of basements. So mm-hmm. the propane oh. could potentially pull into basements and that kind of thing. So Ooh. what the what the overall goal is, is to contain that gas, but it's very hard to contain a gas. Mm-hmm. And having that since it was on fire. And again, I don't know if this is purposeful or if it was an accident, but since it was on fire, um, they don't want to damage SN 15, but on the other side, they also want to burn all that gas off. Cause then it's can, it's roughly it's contained because it burns up as it's coming out of the, the and that makes sense. That makes total sense. And so with the evolution of these prototypes and the more launches and landings that they do successfully, I think that they're refining the amount of fuel that's being sent to the engines and that um, maybe a little bit higher of altitude, they'll inject the fuel and then burn it off a little bit faster maybe. So when it it lands, it's like almost out or out. Uh, So, but anyways, I think that this is a really exciting um, breakthrough I was screaming my face off and I posted a clip of me screaming my face off when it landed and asked for the meme makers of Twitter to go wild. And I got some pretty funny things back. So, yeah, so it successfully landed. So, yeah, so I I think overall it was good. There was some problems, not just with your stream, with a lot of people's stream, because your stream went out. And I had my kids with me. We were doing homework and we watched NASA's stream. And even then, even mm-hmm. SpaceX stream had some problems. Yeah. So overall, there was, it was, it was several weird seconds. Day. Yeah. There were several seconds where we just didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we, we were able to find it. Literally, they were counting down. We hit zero. I said lift off and the stream dropped. I saw a stream ended. I mean... There were tears for a second. I just couldn't. It, four hours of streaming and then it at liftoff. Four hours of streaming and several days of, for you, several days of false hope yes. because they were initially going to go like on a Monday and then that didn't work out. And then the next day didn't work out for various reasons. Scrubs. So, and then all of a sudden it works, but then the, everybody's internet fails at the yeah. <laughs> same time pretty much. You weren't the so, only one. I saw some other people complaining of, of issues too. Good to know. So it's, that leads us to the next topic. It does. Which is? 
which is uh, you're moving to Starbase. So you have a you have a plan. Ah, I'm moving to Starbase. And if you don't know, Starbase is a street, right? In Boca Chica. Actually, it is now officially a city of Texas. Okay. Who's the mayor? I don't know. Uh, Lord Elon, I'm not sure. You should run when you get there. The mayor yeah. of Starbase, at least f- for one term. Could you imagine? I should get that. Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That would be wild. It'll probably be like Tim Dodd or or Boca Chica Gal Mary would be a great mayor. There you go. Yeah. Would you say there's only like six people that live in that I think area? there's only six homes total left. The street, there's, I don't know, there's not very many homes on the street to begin with. I think less than 30. But the only six of those homes are still privately owned. And Boca Chica Gal Mary is one of those homes that SpaceX has bought up the other ones and is renovating them now and putting Tesla solar roof tiles on them and making them um, livable for, I'm sure, employees and execs and stuff like that. Yeah. And so in order for you to go down there, it is very expensive to live in Texas. Like it, mm. it's getting more expensive to live in Phoenix, but it's still less expensive to live in Phoenix than it is to live in most places in, or not most, most populated places in Texas. I can't say mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm sure there's places that are, are still affordable, but as long as you want to live along the coast, especially oh. in an area like you know, I don't know where they build rockets and, and launch them. <laughs> yeah. It's going to make the prices of houses go up significantly. So you're on the search for a travel trailer. Yes. So let's talk about your search because this has been two months, three months in the making so far. Mm-hmm. I think so. And it's it's been expedited uh, from the 30-day notice I was given at the beginning of May that I, I have to be out of my rental property the, the property that I live in right now that's a rental. My roommates, two roommates and I, beginning of May, were asked to notice to vacate. We were given a notice to vacate. So we have to be out by May 31st. And today's May 18th. So I've been scrambling. I set up a GoFundMe to help with the purchase of this travel driller. And the search is on. I have narrowed down to two by the um, a manufacturer called Keystone RV. That fun fact happens to be headquartered 28 minutes, 19 miles from the front door of my small family lake home in Indiana, in Northern Indiana, to their manufacturing facility. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. Yeah. So um, right now I'm deciding between a single axle or a double axle trailer and uh, it's going to be 19, between 19 and 23 feet. And it will, the, what I'm looking for is it, it must have, uh, it must have a toilet, a composting toilet would be great. That's for, you know, emergent, well, not emergencies that I, I'm, I'm going to be living. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, I'm going to be living on a piece of land in Starbase. There's nothing, I mean, nothing built out yet at Starbase. So it's a, it's a piece of land that I'm renting from somebody for $500 a month to park the trailer. So it needs to have a toilet and uh, a water tank and it will have probably like two burners or a hot plate or something. I don't cook. I don't. Yeah. 
microwave and it is going to be, I'm going to install a DIY solar system so I can make it completely energy off grid. Um, that's, that's the plan. I also have an order, a pre-order in for Starlink for the area of South Texas to use as my internet source when I'm down there. Unfortunately, that's not available yet for that region, but it will be coming by the end of the year. So until then, I may or may not have spotty Wi-Fi, but yeah, so. Yeah, spotty Wi-Fi is kind of important. No, no, wife, not spotty. Wi-Fi in general is kind of important if you're streaming on YouTube. Yeah. As a general rule for living. A deal breaker kind of thing, but. Until then, I um, I may have to invest in one of those why internet cards or whatever that NASA space flight gives to Jack Buyer and Boca Chica Galmeri. I don't even know what they are, but I know they're the size of a credit card because Jack Byers flew off the roof of his Land Rover one day and I was helping him search for it in the dark one night. So <laughs> that's how I found out that that's what they have. <sighs> It's going to be a lot, but it's going to be, it's very exciting. Yes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, first of all, I didn't know this term, but apparently what you're doing is called boondocking oh, yes. in the RV world. I'm not, I don't yes. know very much about RVs, but as I was researching this stuff, so you're going to be boondocking and then you don't, you're not a hundred percent sure what the, the hookups are on at the site you're going to be mm-hmm. hanging out at because it's still fairly new. Um, mm-hmm. but solar and battery backup are important to you. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was kind of surprised to see when we were going through this, cause we talked three times, I think since the last time, was it two or three times about, um, about this subject kind of offline. And then I, w- I went into looking at the solar thing for RVs is this is going to be very complicated. And I was actually surprised to see that there's enough people out there are enough businesses out there that sell kits to make it extremely easy from like briefcases that you just throw out mm-hmm. to actually something that's more like what you would find on a home uh, mm-hmm. or like a fixed home mm-hmm. where you mount it to the top of the RV. And like, we're talking like for briefcase, you're talking like 300 bucks, something like that. And it's from what I've seen, it's fairly easy to hook it up. You can use 300 to start depending yeah. on what size panel you want. Yeah, but they have like flexible panels and yeah, there's a lot of options and it's, it's cool. Um, I, I have some people who have reached out to me whom, uh, one actually just reached out to me. He's, he's the youngest CEO of a solar energy company, uh, based out of Pakistan. And he wants to help me set up an array of sorts. And, uh, I have a, another friend who is building DIY and not DIY. He's starting started a trailer, a solar powered trailer company. Uh, it's startup, brand new startup, but he actually got into a accident, um, a electric scooter accident and has a concussion at this moment was in the hospital. And so he needs to heal before I can pick his brain literally, you know? Yeah. Uh, but there, yeah, there's, there's quite a few options. It, it will change it will be a game changer, I think, because right. I think when I get there, I'll be just running a a big thick extension cord to whatever panel somewhere is that's based on the picture of the lot. There's just not, it's not like a traditional 
pull up paved lot with a, a hookup and water and sewer. So it's, it, it'll, it'll be interesting, but yeah, the, the DIY solar, I think is, is something that I hope catches on <laughs> for trailers in general. And I, I would also like to know that I currently drive a gas internal combustion engine Hyundai Kona. My Kona does not have the capability to tow anything. They recommend, they do not recommend towing of any weight in the United States on my Kona. So I had to weigh the options between do I need to sell the Kona and purchase a very cheap old gas guzzling truck in order to tow this trailer or should I pay somebody to ship the trailer to Texas for me and just hope that I don't need to move it for a long while. So I've decided the second one because I really want, I have my dream. My goal is to have my next vehicle be an electric vehicle and I don't want to give in to that and it makes the most sense. So the GoFundMe campaign was set up for $25,000 and it's already more than, I think it's 20% funded and we, I still have like 13 days. So people have been incredibly supportive. I'm donating. Other people are donating. It, it's been awesome. Yeah. I've donated. Um, yes. And yes. You have donated. Thank you so much. Do you, You're such a great support. Do you, because I know you, didn't you say you, you've, in one of your streams, you mentioned that you have a bit.ly. Do you want to share your, your shortened URL? I would and I'll put it to. in the show notes. Sure. It is bit.ly bit.ly backslash starbase tx. Oh, nice and easy. Yeah. Awesome. And then, um, you know, I was really surprised because one of the things that I jumped into is like how much these trailers actually cost and used. I mean, you're lucky to get a used trailer for under $20,000 that you exactly. can actually live in. Exactly. That's right. pretty insane. And with the housing market inflation, it's caused an inflation in the, especially private sale, uh, RV travel trailer. So not only that, COVID and people being stuck at home with their families, um, tons of people have chosen to pr buy RVs and, and travel since people are working remotely. So there's, it's, it, that's a double whammy. Right. Um, so I'm, I, I'm not sure that I'll actually be able to, to pay for one, even if I do hit that $25,000 goal in with the, the solar, my goal was to pay for the trailer, the solar, the shipping, the registration and fees and the taxes. And that's a lot. Well, awesome. Um, I do want to say that you can go to youtube.com forward slash Jessica Kirsch and watch the stream. And Sierra was talking to me the other day and she saw your Biltmore Phoenix Tesla meetup uh, video. Oh, yay. And she had nothing but good things to say about it. So, Oh, that's awesome. I look forward to meeting her. Yeah, someday. Like you guys have to find each other. Well, Jessica, do you have anything else you want to plug your Twitter? I, uh, you know what? 
Sure. Twitter.com forward slash Jessica underscore Kirsch. But right now, the most important is the GoFundMe campaign. If you go to GoFundMe, type in Jessica Kirsch, you'll see it. And any any $1 is better than $0 if you're able to contribute. And that's that's it. That's all I have. Thank you so much for having me back. And I look forward to next month coming to you from Starbase. Yeah. So we're going to uh, make this a little bit of a feature. And as she, as Jessica goes, she <laughs> seems rude. It's Sorry. Okay. As Jessica goes, like if you're not Proper even in pronouns. the room. Um, as you go throughout this, um, you know, we anticipate that you're going to come up against the problems in terms of the solar and, and just kind of living off grid. So some fun challenges to discuss. Yeah, I think the audience is going to really enjoy that. So thank you very much, Jessica, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I will see you, and I guess in a month. All right, I would like to thank Jessica for coming on and sharing with us her experiences and the challenges that she's facing, and then hopefully... As you know, we continue this series, how she overcomes those challenges as far as basically boondocking, living off the grid. And uh, yeah, it was a good conversation. And I'm, I'm really happy that she was able to come on and discuss that before she moved. I do want to say real quick, Jessica did a interview with one of the few Tesla um, auto repair facilities in the United States, which happens to be in Phoenix, which is Gruber Motors. Now they don't get any support from Tesla, but they claim to be the biggest Tesla repair facility in the world. And this place is amazing. Pete, the owner or CEO, I don't actually know if he's the owner. I'm going to assume he is. Um, he went through uh, each section at Gruber Motors with Jessica, and they talked about batteries and powertrains and the history of the original Roadster. It was, I mean, quite frankly, it was really educational. And it's rare that you get a CEO who can talk so intelligently about all of the processes in their business. Like this gentleman oversees several businesses within the Gruber umbrella, and he is uh, very knowledgeable about every little section they sit down. And if he doesn't, he asks his staff and they have an answer for him right there. So it was really cool. So that's youtube.com forward slash Jessica Kirsch. And at the very end of the tour, she got to ride in serial number 100 of the Tesla Roadster. It is, uh, I can't remember what color green it was, but it was a very electric green. And uh, it, it's just a overall um, very cool experience for her. I'm very jealous. All right, let's jump into the news. Foxconn, the maker of many of your favorite electronic devices, will build EVs for Fisker Motors in the United States. The first plant should be open by 2023. Now, there's some discussion as to where the plant's going to go. So Foxconn, a couple of years ago, received a metric ton of tax incentives from Wisconsin. Uh, so far, they've built, I think they've built a factory, but they don't actually, they just have the shell. There's nothing there. They're not producing anything. So... I would imagine that Wisconsin is on the list as to where they put this factory. However, I wouldn't be surprised if the plant was built in another state that offered some better tax incentives to 
Foxconn, uh, maybe Arizona. Arizona is pretty friendly to technology companies at the moment. Another possibility would be Texas or any of those other states that were vying for the Gigafactory. And I can't remember what they all, I think Oklahoma was one or maybe it was Kentucky. Maybe they both were. I can't remember off the top of my head now. I'm just saying uh, that I would be shocked if this plant went in, in Wisconsin, not because Wisconsin doesn't have qualified people to work on it, but because Foxconn is a business and they're looking for the best possible deal that they can get and so that they can make the most amount of money. So anywho, the plant should have the ability to produce 150,000 vehicles. Eventually, the partnership will yield 250,000 vehicles per year across multiple plants. Although, honestly, for at least for the first couple of years, 150,000 is pretty um, optimistic. I mean, if I were to pull my non-EV nerd friends and ask them what they know about the Fisker Ocean, they might tell me to hold on, go look it up on the Urban Dictionary, and then get back to me at some other point. Moving on, Harvard researchers have developed a lithium metal solid-state battery with more energy density than the same volume uh, traditional lithium-ion battery. So we've talked in the past how the solid-state batteries are kind of like that... Um, holy grail of battery technology right now and we're certainly not there yet but we are getting much closer because these new solid state batteries will be able to charge in much less time than traditional lithium-ion batteries they may increase the ev life by an additional 10 to 15 years which is insane which means there's less batteries that need to be recycled and less waste that's out there in the world since the batteries are lasting longer and one issue that the the Harvard researchers set out to solve was the chemical volatility in these batteries. So normal batteries charge by lithium ions moving from cathode to anode, and the reverse happens when they're being discharged. When this happens with the solid-state batteries, a needle-like structure called a dendrite forms on the surface of the anode, and eventually this dendrite will grow into an electrolyte, and if you get enough of these, the battery may malfunction or lead to a fire. So the team at Harvard has taken some inspiration from a basically a BLT sandwich, a bacon, lettuce, tomato, if you're not familiar, sandwich. So what they've come up with is they use multiple layers of materials of varying, varying stabilities between the anode and the cathode. So these dendrites, it doesn't eliminate the dendrites, but it does control them and contain them to make the battery safer. So... The way I thought about this was that it's caging the dendrites, it's containing them versus letting them run free and become, you know, electrolytes, which can cause problems for the battery, apparently. I don't know how many people out there agree with me on this, but I am super fascinated by battery technology and research. I still don't fully understand. I understand a very small percentage of stuff that I'm even talking about, but, you know, after five years of doing this podcast and talking about battery technology, it's still like, it's still super interesting. It's probably one of the most interesting parts of electric vehicles, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like the, the technology side of it is really interesting to me, but also how they solve these problems. It's just fascinating how they come up with these things. Hyundai is investing $7.4 billion to build EVs in America. They'll start with their plant in Montgomery, Alabama, where EVs should start rolling off the assembly line in 2022. The plant in Montgomery will build both Hyundai and Kia EVs. 
Hyundai is also expanding their hydrogen fuel cell commercial truck technology, as well as their flying taxis. We talked about all of this stuff a few months ago, maybe it was even a year ago at this point, about Hyundai's plan for electrifying their fleet. Um, And the flying taxis was the third tier in that plan. So I kind of thought that flying taxis would eventually fall fall off their radar, but it hasn't. They're, They're really excited about flying taxis. They mentioned it again. Not speaking of flying taxis, but speaking of Hyundai, the Ionic 5 has arrived in Norway. So if you live in Norway, congratulations, you get to buy a really cool car. I'm hoping after 2022, we'll be able to purchase the Ionic 5 here in the United States. And I've heard that it might be a little bit bigger car for the U.S. market or the North American market. I shouldn't be U.S. centric there. Although it may be the same size, because according to Hyundai's website, the Ionic 5 is coming worldwide in 2021. So what do I know? nothing. Before we get to the Tesla news, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for pledging at the $1 level. Some of you have pledged much higher than that, which is totally unnecessary, but I love you for doing it. If you pledge $1 to support this podcast, you get an ad-free, and yes, I'm toying with ads, an ad-free feed. You get a handwritten thank you note from me, some stickers, and some buttons in that thank you note. And I want to welcome our latest... (laughs) I want to welcome our latest Patreon supporter, Jessica Kirsch, for some reason, is supporting the show. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for supporting the show. I will get your rewards out to you tomorrow. Um, Thank you very much. I've already texted her and talked to her about this, but it's totally unnecessary. But she's sweet for for, uh, subscribing to the Patreon. All right, let's jump into some Tesla news. Elon's a little frustrated with the bureaucracy in Germany regarding Giga Berlin. Despite this, Tesla has received permission to begin installing the machines that build the machines. So if that's not really clear to you because you're just now listening to the podcast, that's Elon's way of saying, you know, the robots that go into the final assembly line so that they could actually build these vehicles. So we got the Giga Press and a bunch of other stuff that goes into that. Elon is still hopeful that production will begin at Giga Berlin by the end of 2021. And while we're on the subject of gigafactories, Model Y's built in Giga Texas will use the 4680 battery cell. Elon has confirmed this on Twitter. Uh, in typical Elon faction, he was asked what the Model Y's, what cells the Model Y's would be using and, uh, at Giga Texas, and he just wrote back 4680. So that's really cool. And it makes the most amount of sense in, in my mind uh, to have the same battery cell technology throughout product lines in each gigafactory. So that, that that does make sense to me. I wonder if they'll continue to build model-wise at Fremont after Giga Texas is up and running. Um, we know that they're running out of room at Fremont, so it would kind of make sense that model since model-wise are so popular and they expect them to outsell model 3s in the next year or so, that they would want to have a specific location set up so that they can build all the Model Ys that they can sell versus Fremont, which is basically bursting at the seams as we speak. So we'll see how that goes. According to sources familiar with the matter, Tesla has over 10,000 EVs on containment hold and are unable to deliver vehicles to customers. So we weren't given a reason as to why these vehicles are on containment hold. But if you really think about it, it's probably a supply chain issue that's keeping them from being delivered, right? So it could be down to one or more missing parts. And they were able to build 
the vehicles with the exception of this one missing part. And since Model Ys and Model 3s share a lot of the same parts, it kind of makes sense that both vehicles are on a containment hold at the moment. I don't know how big of a deal this really is because this is a news story that's going around across multiple um, industries right now. Like it, it, I bought a Xbox um, Series X and I wanted one in November and I got one in March. And I was very lucky to get the one I got in March. I mean, because there's a chip supply shortage. So there's this kind of thing is going on a lot. So I don't know that it's a huge news story or something to be concerned about. However, if you purchased one of these vehicles and you're still waiting on it, um, it really sucks. So whatever the problem is, hopefully Tesla and their suppliers are able to get this corrected as soon as possible. I know they want to. They want to sell these vehicles so they can get paid. All right. Some Cybertruck reservation holders are getting emails from Tesla. And it's not what you think, though. Don't get excited. They are trying to get Cybertruck reservation holders to test drive a Model 3 or Model Y while they're waiting for a Cybertruck. Why would they do that? Why would they want them to test drive a Model 3 or Model Y? I'm just saying their motives are suspicious here. Anyway, I am going to read the email, but I would like you to know that the e it did state that the Cybertruck production will begin in 2021. It did not say deliveries will begin in 2021, just production, just so you know. Now I'm going to try to read this with a smile in my voice. I used to work for a uh, customer phone line customer support, and the one of the, the check marks that you had to get for your quality was you had a smile in your voice. So I'm going to try to do this. Hello from Tesla. Congratulations on taking the first step to becoming a Tesla owner. The Cybertruck production will... <laughs> I've already messed it up. The Cybertruck will start production in 2021 and will be an exciting time for everyone. For everyone. Because I have, I can't talk. We have exciting news. We opened a new location in Fort Myers. Since the Cybertruck has yet to be released, we would like to extend an invitation to test drive a model that is currently available. We have Model 3 and Model Ys available for test driving. So I didn't get this email. I also don't live in Florida. I do, however, go onto Tesla's website and configure Tesla's for fun on a weekly basis. So I'm just saying I, I would have appreciated, even though I don't live in Florida or the Fort Myers area, I would like Tesla to send me this email because other than the reservation um, receipt that says thank you, I have received nothing about Cybertruck at all from Tesla. So I just want to feel included is what I'm saying here. All right, folks, that is it for the news today. There wasn't actually a ton of news, and maybe that's because I decided to do this on a Wednesday instead of a Friday. So we have two extra days of news, but that's where we're at. In our next segment, we're going to talk about the Ford F-150 EV reveal. So cue the music. All right, everybody, thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, before we get to the EV reveal, I've got one more thing to go over. Yesterday, on the 18th of May, President Biden revealed his $174 billion EV infrastructure plan at the Ford F-150 plant, the Rouge plant in Dearborn, Michigan, just ahead of Ford's F-150 EV, the Lightning reveal. So I don't want to get this twisted. When I say that President Biden revealed this $174 billion plan, that's a strong term. He talked around it, about it, and at it, but he really didn't reveal too much of it. He was only on stage for about 30 minutes. Now, unlike a lot of people on Twitter, I actually sat down and watched this, and I just I have some thoughts. 
So Biden did get a chance to drive the the EV F-150. He seemed to be very impressed with the torque because he said that's fast. That's a fast uh, blank insert word for booty truck um, curse word for booty. One of the things that I saw on Twitter a lot of was like, oh, apparently President Biden doesn't know that Teslas are built in America because they only talked about Ford. Well, duh, he was at a Ford plant ahead of a Ford F-150 EV reveal. So, I mean, he's probably not going to talk about Tesla or any other car manufacturer for that, you know, matter. Um, Ford is a U, uh, is a union shop. So the UAW president spoke at this event. UAW worked with Ford to repurpose the Rouge plant because it was nearly shut down. Like at some point they just wanted to turn it into a museum. Tesla is not a part of the UAW or any union. And if you don't know, the UAW is the United Auto Workers Union. Unions can be, you know, a business and political partner. Like unions can be a good thing. They can also be adversaries to management, but a, a properly structured management and labor contract can be a great thing for a business. And I'm, I, I'm pro union, so I'm not going to go a lot into this, but the reason why we didn't hear about Tesla was this talk was largely about Ford and unions, which it does not include Tesla. As a matter of fact, most of this, um, talk given by President Biden was a political stump speech, um, which unlike when uh, Pence was at Lordstown, it wasn't during the reveal. Biden did it a day before. But in terms of message, it's not a whole lot different. Like, look at all the great things we're doing. So, yeah. Um, anyway, let's talk about the speech highlights. So what does Biden want to provide us? And by us, I mean the people of the United States of America. Um, sorry if you don't live here. All right, let's jump into this. Consumer incentives, point, point of sale incentives, um, luxury cars are excluded from these incentives, but they didn't state what the cutoff price was for a luxury car. So um, hopefully it's, you know, somewhere less than $60,000, but I have a feeling that it'll be less than a vehicle less than fifty. Tax credits for zero emission medium and heavy duty vehicles. $25 billion for clean transit buses, $20 billion to convert 20% of the fleet of school buses to electric, funding for federal agencies like the Postal Service to transition to electric vehicles, and hopefully, I don't know if you've seen the proposed electric vehicles for the Postal Service, but they are hideously ugly. I would say, you know, add an additional $5 billion to not make them look so stupid and cartoonish. That's editorially. They're going to provide tax credits to clean vehicle manufacturing, cost-sharing grants to support new high-capacity battery facilities here in the United States, new capital to the Advanced Vehicle Technology Manufacturing Program to support companies who domestically produce clean energy vehicles, and it proposes that the program incentivize and production of medium and heavy-duty vehicles. Uh, grants to support upgrading and reopening closed facilities, which I think is a really good thing. $15 billion in grants and incentives for 500,000 public EV charging stations. And hopefully this will I'll, uh, this will get EV manufacturers on board to coming up with one standard of charging. And that way we're, we're just done with, you know, having to carry 
different adapters in our vehicles because that's ridiculous. Tax credits for infrastructure such as fleet depot charging, residential charging, workplace charging. So that's a great thing. So you can charge at work or you can charge at home. You get a little tax break there. $35 billion in residential and development for energy and climate related topics. That's pretty broad. And $20 billion in regional in innovation hubs and community revitalization funds. One of the things that Biden hit really hard in his speech was how far ahead in terms of EV manufacturing and just, you know, um, manufacturing in general. China is ahead of the United States. And one of the things that he wants to correct is that we develop a lot of this great technology here, but we send it abroad to get manufactured. He wants to get more manufacturing here in the United States. And to do that, he's got a carrot and a stick in the, in the, in the same um, plan. It's basically, if you don't um, have a plan to bring these uh, manufacturing and creation of technology together here in the United States, if you can't do that, then you don't get government contracts. So that's kind of a big deal for him. I guess it's been on the, a book, a law on the book since the 30s. Not familiar with the law, but he did mention it in the speech, which I think as a general rule for us here in the United States, that's a good thing because that creates more jobs. And like everywhere in the world right now, is it, you know, we're kind of hurting because the pandemic kind of put a tight squeeze on our economies. So having good manufacturing jobs and, and skilled labor type positions and training for people to learn a trade, I think these are all very good things. So... That's enough of that. Let's jump into the F-150 reveal. Cue the music. All right, everybody, welcome back. I just watched the Ford F-150 Lightning reveal, and I've got to say, it wasn't underwhelming but it wasn't overwhelming either it was short on a lot of really important details but we're going to go through what we have the one thing that it was that was really positive it was blessedly short so that's that's a huge positive i'm not going to play bill ford coming out and chatting because we we did that when they introduced the f-150 or excuse me when they introduced the maki and he basically just kind of repeats the same thing. Just enter the F one fifty into that whole speech, and we've already we've already heard that before. Next, the UAW vice president, and I didn't write his name down. I'm I'm really apologize for that, but he comes out and he talks about the importance of labor in this. In when I say labor, I mean the people who actually work on the vehicles and build it. Labor, the union people, the importance of having them. And their input and and how um, how much work they put into this vehicle over the last three years. Um, then they showed a little commercial, which I'm not going to go because it doesn't really go really well in audio. You can go and, and look for it, and I'll put the link in the show notes for the actual reveal itself. But then Linda Zhang does a little overview of the vehicle again very superficial overview. There is not a lot of information in here that makes me go, wow. However, there are some cool things and we'll go over that right after we'll recap what she says and then we'll go over some cool things after we hear her talk. So this is Linda Zing. Here it is. The all new, all electric, all capable F-150 Lightning. I'm Linda Zang. 
Tonight feels like a dream come true for me. It's a dream that started when I was eight years old and rolled in a car for the first time, just after my family moved to America to start a new life. 11 years after that day, I joined Ford when I was 19. And now I feel so fortunate to have led an amazing team that worked day and night for the past three years to create the truck of the future, F-150 Lightning. <laughs> Anything is possible when you dream big, and that's what we did. So let me tell you why F-150 Lightning is like no other truck. Building on over a century of truck know-how, we unlocked the full potential of EV technology, and wherever we saw the opportunity to improve, we took it. Jim will tell you about the drive experience, but with its low center of gravity and perfect weight balance, this is the best handling F-150 ever. And it has the fastest acceleration of any F-150. To harness that performance, F-150 Lightning features four selectable drive modes, normal, sport, off-road, and tow haul, and is always four by four. Plus, the ownership experience is packed with advantages only Ford EVs offer. You get revolutionary power, on the go, available features like enhanced Pro Power on board delivers up to 9.6 kilowatts, available at 21 charge points around the truck, including 11 outlets, enough to power an awesome tailgate or even an entire worksite. And at home, intelligent backup power makes the F-150 Lightning your own personal power plant automatically powering your house for three days during an outage. This is a first for an EV truck. There's storage under the hood like you've never seen before and a standard full-size bed. Inside, F-150 Lightning comes as a super crew with plenty of room for five. F-150 Lightning offers an ingenious array of connected, intelligent features. With enhanced zone lighting all around the truck, you can find your tools or light up your campsite. Available onboard scales analyze your payload, while Ford Intelligent Range pulls in factors like that payload alongside weather, traffic, and towing information to accurately calculate your range. And with Ford Pass, Power My Trip will identify charging routes before even starting your journey. Not only do you get a 12-inch digital cluster, you can also get a massive 15-and-a-half-inch center screen running Sync 4A, which puts control of this connected truck at your fingertips. Plus, a suite of new tools like Smart Hitch and Pro Trailer Hitch Assist means that towing doesn't need to be a two-person job. 
It's also the only electric pickup that's built Ford tough, dependable and torture tested with an all new frame, which uses the strongest steel ever in an F-150. This is a truck that can tow up to 10,000 pounds up a brutal hill in extreme heat or cold. Rugged underbody protection keeps the battery safe with metal skid plates shielding both the battery and inboard motors from tough terrain. The battery itself is secure inside a waterproof casing surrounded by crash absorption protection, which all adds up to excellent off-road performance. This is the smartest, most innovative F-150 Ford has ever built, designed to bring our customers what we believe is the best driving and ownership experience on the planet with zero emissions. Okay, so on the surface of it, it sounds good, right? And it's not, I don't want to make it sound like it's bad because it's not bad. But on the surface, it sounds like, oh, this is a pretty good truck. And it is, but we're going to go over some things real quick because they're, they're not telling the whole story. <laughs> and uh, uh, we don't have the whole story yet. I went on Ford's website, and I could not find, as, a, as of this recording anyway, the full specs on their vehicle. But here's what we got. The power frunk is sizable. Like the power frunk opens up by itself. There's a lot of space in there. There are power hookups. It can hold up to 400 pounds, so that's really good. Um, when I say power, I mean like electrical hookups and uh, USB connectors and stuff like that in there. Um, the interior of this truck is similar to the Mach-E, so it's nothing really big there, but they didn't really show it off all that much either. Uh, they did talk about um, backup power, so you can use this to power your house for up to three days during a power outage. However, I don't think that includes running air conditioners. Like my house has three air, or two air conditioners for the upstairs and downstairs. I don't think we're running two air conditioners for three days off of that battery pack. And then on top of that, like which model of truck will allow you to run your house for three days? Because it's certainly not going to be the, the base model. Rivion, um, oh, excuse me, the, the headlights, the truck looks... First of all, the truck looks great. It looks like an F-150, and it's got a little Rivion flare with the headlights across the front of the um, uh, the, across the front of the truck. Normally, where the hood would open up at. Geez, I forgot how I forgot what the hood was called for a second. Sorry about that. Um, throughout this whole presentation, they had some really cool thumping music. I wrote that down because that was important. Uh, I think it's really cool that they have four modes, the normal, the sport, and off-road, and tow. Um, 11 electrical outlets that you can plug into, especially if you're using this for work, is really important. The Super Crew Cab becomes standard. That's also really important. I think that's great. Zero to 16 mid four seconds. Yeah, you know, that's cool. Zone lighting is a nice touch. There will be a 15.5-inch center screen, but it's like 12.5 what you say, 12.8 if you don't pay for it. So I'm guessing that's going to come in a, in a higher tier. Um, what model does the 10,000-pound towing is my question because the single-motor rear-wheel rear drive uh, t Tesla will do 7,500 pounds, which is okay. The dual-motor will do 10,000 plus, 
is that starting at the base or is that the best that they have will do 10,000? Because Tesla's tri-motor will do 14,000 pounds. Um, I'm curious as to which one that is. And again, not not bad, but these are kind of important things that they should probably answer during this uh, during the reveal because that's kind of what everybody wants to know before they plop down their money for a reservation. Um, they went over a lot of stuff that EV enthusiasts already know, so I'm not going to go over that. Our next thing is we're going to listen to Jim Farley, who is Ford's president and CEO, and he's going to talk about driving the the F-150. And honestly, I debated whether or not I should keep this in um, simply because a lot of the stuff he says just isn't important. However, there are some things that I think are cool that we can go over and, and kind of talk about. So, And it's not all that long. So let's go ahead and listen to that. Here we go, Jim. You're up. Well, thank you, Linda. I also wanted to thank Bill Ford, Gerald Kareem. Just a quick note. Gerald Kareem is the UAW representative that I, I couldn't remember his name. And this incredible team that made this evening possible. This is what passion of the Ford Motor Company can do. This is American innovation. And this is a moment of tremendous pride for all of us at Ford. This revolutionary truck will be built just a couple of miles away from here at the Rouge, where my grandfather and so many others were proud to punch in every day, as Gerald said. You heard the specs and details from Linda. She's terrific. But I want to tell you what it actually feels like to drive this truck. You know, I've been lucky enough to be involved with lots of amazing vehicles in my career with a few brands. But this truck is totally different. Bill Ford and I went to the test track recently to drive an advanced prototype. And even though it was pretty close to the development of the F-150 Lightning, I was completely blown away. It's like no pickup truck I have ever driven. The driving experience is a complete thrill. We're targeting 770 foot-pounds of torque and just under 600 horsepower. Zero to 60 for this truck is in the mid-four-second range. That's quicker than the Raptor. And it's a lot quicker than the original SVT Lightning performance truck. But what makes it so unique is it's so quick, but it's super quiet inside and so smooth. It's got a totally new independent rear suspension. As Linda said, standard four-wheel drive and a very low center of gravity because of the batteries. It hauls ass and tows like a beast. Metaphorically, it might as well have a Superman cape and a Captain America shield. Now, if you lose power at home, like the ice storms in Texas, the F-150 Lightning will power your house for day upon day upon day. And it's all seamless and controlled through your phone on the Ford Pass app. And then there's the mega power frunk. It's a whole new automotive term. You press a button and the whole front of the truck opens. And it's amazing. 400 liters of space, 400 pounds of payload up there, four plugs to power your tools at a, at a work site, your Traeger grill, your flat 
flat screen TV, your mini fridge at tailgate. And the cabin is a perfect blend of luxury. No one does luxury like the F-150. But technology and lots of clever features. And boy, do we have technology. Including a true, hands-free highway driving system we call Ford Blue Cruise. The F-150 Lightning will just get better and better every day, every month, every year with the over-there updates that we call Ford Power-Ups. They'll fix bugs, continually improve the user experience, and add completely new features and technologies. Now, range will never be a concern with this truck. You charge it overnight, and with the extended range batteries, we put a standard dual onboard chargers that make the charging go really fast. And you roll out in the morning with the electric equivalent of a full tank of gas. And if you need to charge on the go, you'll have access to the largest public charging network in North America, thanks to Ford. Now, a lot of people would think with all of that, all of those features, all that capability, all that technology, that this would be a six-figure trophy truck. And I'm proud to say we worked really hard and this F-150 Lightning starts at just under $40,000. And that's before you get your federal or state tax credits. And if you're a commercial customer, we have an F-150 Lightning just for you. It offers the lowest cost of ownership of any truck we've ever made. It needs less maintenance because it has 40% less moving parts and powertrain. Um, and of course, you never have to stop at the gas station. But this is just one part of the Ford plan, as Bill said, to lead the electric revolution. Let's take a look. So right next to me is a Mustang Mach-E that has redefined the American muscle car for the electric era. People see it, they drive it, and then they buy it. 70% of the people who have ordered the Mustang Mach-E are brand new to Ford. Now, for all of you here tonight uh, who really like speed, this is your lucky day. Because this is the new GT Performance version of the Mustang Mach-E. It's much faster than the, the one that we've already launched. It looks great. It is fantastic to drive. And over there is the backbone of business, the most innovative, ingenious version of the number one commercial van, not just in the U.S., but in the world. Now, that e-transit will launch later this year, here and in Europe. And there's the F-150 Lightning. Now, this truck represents all that our country can do when we push for progress, as Bill said. So that's the end of this show. But frankly, it's just the beginning of a whole new era at Ford. All right, I want to quickly go over some of the things he talked about. The, <laughs> the, uh, the power frunk is a term that Ford is deciding that they're going to uh, term, which, I mean, that's just ridiculous because I'm pretty sure the Tesla coined the term frunk and now... Um, Ford is going to 
is going to claim power from, but that's silly. Anyway, sorry. Um, I think it's cool about the hands-free Blue Cruise with over-the-air updates. That's super important. I don't know why more car companies don't have this already in their cars, but they don't. He went over the range, and that's 300 miles with extended range batteries. What does that mean? They did not explain what that means. I would, I'm very curious as to know what that means because I'm pretty sure the four hundred thousand or the forty thousand dollar model that they talked about is not going to include three hundred miles range with it. So I went on to Ford's website after this and I tried to reserve one of these trucks. I didn't put a hundred dollars down, but I wanted to see what the process was like. And basically, you enter your email. You confirm your email, you put your personal information in, and then you give them $100. They don't give you much more information. One of the things they do give you is the standard equipped is the $40,000. The mid-equipped will cost you $52,000, and the fully equipped will cost you $90,000. So, um, I mean, this can be a $100,000 trophy truck. Uh, it's nice that they're starting at a $40,000. Uh, dollar range for this truck. I think that will be beneficial to, for some. However, um, I'm, I just want to know what the specs are. What are you giving people for $40,000? Are you giving them 200 miles range or are you giving them the 300 miles range? I'm just, I'm really curious about that. They did introduce the GT Mach-E, which is uh, the fastest Mach-E they've made to this point, which, you know, pretty easy to do since the car just came out. And then the E-Transit van EV, which we knew was coming. So there were some um, rumor or maybe just buzz that they were going to announce or show off the Ford Bronco EV. They did not do that here. So, but, um, I want to end on a positive because I feel like I sound like I'm being negative when it comes to this truck and I'm not at all. I'm very hyped on this truck. I'm very excited for what they're up to. Um, there was just like, there wasn't a whole lot of information. Like they showed off the truck. They barely showed off the inside of the truck. Ford's website, as of this recording, doesn't have a lot of information. You can't look at the interior. You, you, there's just not a lot, a lot of information, which is silly because if you are going to reveal a product, you should probably tell people about your product so that they can make good choices when they decide whether or not they want to reserve your pickup truck. But aside from that, I think that this is going to be a really good truck, and it's just the beginning, and it's going to continue to get better and better over time. As with all of Ford's technology, I do think Ford is a good company, and they seem to, at least on the outside, be committed to transitioning to electric vehicles. So I think that's great. One of the other things that I think is cool about Ford, and I'm sure that this is similar in other um, auto manufacturing towns, is there seems to be a very long family legacy of people working at Ford. When you watch these events, people talk all the time about how their grandfather walked at this plant or their great-grandfather worked at this plant. Like It goes like Ford or auto manufacturing in these towns runs deep. And I'm sure, like I said, that's probably the same in a lot of places. I actually um, know a family that lives in, it's not Lordstown, but it is in Ohio. I can't remember exactly where it is. It's right around Youngstown. Anyway, um and and their family, the the dad just recently retired, recently retired, but their family has that same like everybody works at that plant in that in that area. Which if it's not closed down because this is a couple of years ago that we were there, 
anyway, I think that kind of thing is very cool. Like that, that tradition is very cool. All right, everybody, that is it for me. Thank you so much for being patient. Thank you, Jessica Kirsch, for coming on the show. Remember, youtube.com forward slash Jessica Kirsch. Um, thank you, Ford, for making the, your announcement very uh, quick so that I could record this tonight. Um, if you want to email me, you can do so at Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. And you can find me on Twitter at 918digital. And yeah, I've got some exciting stuff. I've talked to some people and they've agreed to come on. I just, like I said, I've been feeling a little ill, so I need to get that scheduled. Um, But I think we're going to have some really cool episodes throughout the summer, which is really good because EV news kind of dries up in the summertime. Anyway, that's enough for me. I appreciate each and every one of you. Every day when I look at the stats, I'm amazed that you guys keep coming back again and again to listen to this stupid show so you don't know like when i say appreciate you i literally mean i appreciate you like it it, i have real emotion behind uh, my appreciation it's not just me saying it like i really do appreciate you for listening to this show it's like i said it's not the biggest ev podcast or um, content like youtube whatever it's not it's not the biggest ev thing out there ev news source Um, but you choose to still listen and I appreciate that a lot. All right. (laughs) I'm, I'm getting stupid. Have a good night, everybody. Talk to you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.